Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Literally Me podcast. Uh, it's your boy Tristan here uh, calling in from uh, beautiful sunny Florida. And I'm here with one of my best buds, Dino, from across the pond in Germany. How you doing, buddy? Coming from rainy Germany. It's raining all day today, but I'm doing great. How's the how's the weather out there? Not to get into weather talk, but is it is it cold out there right now in Germany? It's pretty cold. It was warm for like a day, but apart from that, it it's starting to feel like November, December, because October okay. was very warm and didn't feel like October. So I'm glad it's back to how it should be. Well, I'm curious to know what what do you guys consider like what do you consider warm and what do you consider cold? Because I feel like we might have a complete opposite. Because me, like 60 degrees Fahrenheit, let me think what that would be in Celsius. That's probably like 30-something or like 20-something maybe. Like to me, I'm like, that's freezing. Like that is like freezing cold. That's freezing for you? Yeah. 30 but then, Celsius is like hot for me. Like that's... Let me, hold on. I'm going to pull up the calculator, the thing, so okay. I can see the difference. Because I know 32 Fahrenheit is zero Celsius, but I don't know. Okay, what did you say is super hot for you? 30 celsius 30 celsius okay yeah that's like a pretty cool day here that's what it is like now here but the humidity is also different over there i think so it's super wet here like you step oh, outside no, and it feels like really muggy like it's like you, like you're yeah you you're like your clothes make you like 10 pounds heavier by like yeah. the end of the day we talked about it off the pod you guys have ac so it's different. We don't have AC here, so. I was mind blown learning about that on a, listening to a completely separate pod, like a music podcast. Mm -hmm. And these guys were talking about touring in Germany. And they're like, bro, we fucking hate going to Germany because it is so hot everywhere. Like if they go in the summer and there is no AC anywhere. And I was like, nope. there's no way that's true. I was like, there's no way. And I hit you up and you're like, no, yeah, I don't have AC. I was like, I don't know a single crazy. friend who has AC. Sure, and like other European countries, like more south, they do some of them, not all of them. But yeah. here, no one has AC, man. Are you guys just running with like the ceiling fan just going? That's it. Do you guys have ceiling fans? We don't have ceiling. I again, I don't know a single person who has a ceiling fan. Really? Nope. You just keep the wind. What the fuck do you do when it's hot out? Do you do you, just do you guys have it. like? Do you have fans? Do you guys have like little fans that you can put in your house or something? I have one, but I have a lot of friends who don't. And when I visit them, like when I'm at their house in the summer, they don't have one. So you guys don't understand the pleasures of sleeping with a ceiling fan on full blast all night? Nope. Unless I like Do tape know? like one to the ceiling, I can experience that maybe. <laughs> but we don't have ceiling fans. And honestly, you know, I've never you... seen a ceiling fan in person. Really? Nope. I'm, never. I'm, I'm looking at one right now as we, <laughs> as we speak. Oh, ceiling fan. Dino, when you come to Florida, you're probably going to catch frostbite because we keep the house super cold. We have the mm -hmm. fan going as well. You'll wake up just completely blue. Your lips are all just like chapped with ice. And then you go outside and you just like melt and you sweat the second yeah. you step outside yeah how do you guys um, not get sick like just the difference from like being inside and outside I, guess, I feel like that just hits you once you go outside that's actually a good point 
because I was going to say like with the outside, like there are some places like when I lived in Georgia, Mm -hmm. the weather would flip back a little bit. Like one day would be something like probably like, let me do the math here. Maybe like a 30, 35 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. And then immediately the next day, maybe it would be like 25 or 20. And it would just like flip back and forth. I don't know if that's an an accurate uh, Celsius transaction I made there, but it would swap at least between Fahrenheit, between like 20 degrees, like between like multiple days and just back and forth, back and forth. And that's when you get really sick. That's crazy. That's what it's like in Germany. Like the weather just flips. You have really cold days and then the next day it's like warm and sunny. And you're like, how am I supposed to prepare for that? Because you can't. You just have yeah. to like every day you have to take it. You go outside and even like that in the morning it can be really cold and like rainy. And then in the evening, it's like warm and sunny. And, like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh global warming, I guess. We got climate change yep. to deal with. That's probably why it's November 11th. And I, I already know I'm going to step outside and start sweating my ass off all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but enough about the weather. That's not why you guys are here. You guys are not here to you know hear me struggle with the the difference between fahrenheit and celsius and you're not here to hear dino you know talk about a life without ac but uh we're here to talk about something way more boring today we got the next movie in ryan gosling's filmography um for those of you who have been listening you guys know the drill we've been going through his filmography starting with barbie uh and working backwards and uh, we have finally made it, to, at least for me, the most dreaded entry in his filmography. And that is 2017's Song to Song, directed by old Terrence Malick. Yep. And Dino and I both saw, I saw some of it. Dino watched the whole thing, but both for the first time. And... Yep. Uh, I say we just don't waste any time. Let's get it out of the way with what I'm not even going to get into plot because there's no plot to talk about. There's no plot. I I watched the whole thing. I have no clue. I watched it weeks ago and I know as little before I watched the movie right after it. And now a couple of weeks later, I still don't know anything. So (laughs) there's really nothing to talk about. I guess if we wanted to talk about a plot. So for those who are unaware uh, Terrence Malick is, uh, he was a good director. He was a great director, actually. Uh, I think his first three films, we've talked about it for sure. I think his first three films are all incredible. Uh, Badlands, Days of Heaven, and The Thin Red Line. But then something happened after The Thin Red Line where this man said, hold up, I am going to make the most inaccessible, most pretentious most boring movies that I can possibly imagine making for the rest of my life. And people on Letterboxd are all going to say that I'm a genius because they want their followers to think that they're super smart. But song to song essentially is, I guess there's like a love triangle going on in Austin, Texas between a bunch of uh, musicians. And at least from what I gathered, I only could sit through the first half. I guess Natalie Portman enters and maybe there's a second love triangle that forms. Is that, am I kind of guessing that correctly? Does anyone know? Probably. (laughs) I'm not sure. I know she's in it. I know something happens between those four people. And what exactly happens? I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. 
Um, but it does have a good cast. I will say the cast is pretty stacked. Malik finds a way of doing that. I think he lives like just off the strength of those first three movies and tree of life, which maybe will come up later. Maybe. Um, but he has Michael Fassbender. He has Ryan Gosling in this Natalie Portman, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Um, I was looking through some of the cast afterwards too. I didn't see them, but I guess the whole red hot chili peppers are in it too. Um, I guess Val Kilmer is in it. I did not see Val Kilmer. Um, and then is this, is this true? Is Christian Bale also in it at one point? He is. Okay. Interesting. Other film night of cups. I think that's where. Yes. My arch nemesis. Yeah. I hate that movie. Yeah. Another one, a very good cast too, where he brought in a bunch of like, like Saturday Night Live style, like comedians and shit. And I'm like, it, it was just like a joining of two completely different worlds that I never expected, like ultra pretentious uh, Terrence Malick. But then he's bringing in like Nick Kroll and all these like fart joke kind of comics. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is kind of cool. And like Nick Offerman or something. I'm like, that's yeah. pretty cool. I like that. But yeah, really good cast. Couldn't tell you what happens. Um and typically with these episodes, again, for those who have listened, and I apologize to those who maybe have just searched up. They're like, oh, I just saw this awesome movie called Song to Song. Let me go on Spotify and search up a good podcast to hear two intelligent young uh, men uh, talk about this movie that I loved. We're really not going to do that. This might be the extent of how much we talk about it. Um, sure. But I am curious to know, uh, just to get into it. Are there any movies that you think kind of reminded you of this or that this reminded you of? Or maybe if we could in some way interject the literally me, even though these characters, there's nothing to them to make them literally anybody. Are there any movies that this kind of reminded you of or or that you thought kind of were in the same sort of ballpark as this boring piece of shit? Well, for the literally me aspect... Like you said, the characters, I don't know what their personality is. I really don't. The only way it could be literally me is if it's literally me sleeping. That's the (laughs) only way. As for similar movies, because we always do this with like four movies that are similar, we think the characters would like. I have one film that I think is very boring. It's not going to be four because this one alone is going to get me put on some list for cinephiles <laughs> who want to kill me. I have okay. received, I've talked about it once, like, I don't like this movie. A lot of people, they get very angry at me. Ooh. I hope I don't receive death threats for this. If you're listening out there and you like this film, I don't hate it. It's just not for me. And that is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Which is oh, a hot Oh, oh. Do you agree with me or do you just hate me? No, now? I disagree. I think Dunkirk is my favorite Nolan movie. Okay. I don't like it. I thought it was so oh, Actually, boring. I think you and I have talked about this at some point. Maybe for the Barbenheimer episode. But continue, continue. But wait, now that I think about it, Dunkirk actually wasn't the most. There's one that I found to be more boring and I'm going to get even more hate now that I think about it. <laughs> and that's the prestige also a nolan film okay um 
<laughs> I will say the prestige I think is more boring than Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. But I do like both movies a lot, honestly. I really do. The prestige took me three tries to finish because I fell asleep really? twice and I watched it in the middle of the day. Really? Yeah, people are gonna hate me. People listen, I don't hate Nolan. I don't hate those films. I think there's something I don't understand why people like it, but I just don't like it. And with Dunkirk, I understand why he made it the way he made it. Like I understand why the characters aren't as interesting because it's not about those characters. It's about the event. And he didn't want like a character to take the spotlight and he wanted to feel like a documentary, which I understand, but just make a documentary. Because for me, I need characters that I can relate to. I need interesting characters. And if they're all just like boring, then it's not for me. But that's just my opinion. Please, please, guys, don't kill me. Um, I'm coming to your house right now. I'm hopping on the plane. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm already hearing the crowd outside with (laughs) your pitchforks. They're not happy. See, for me, with Dunkirk, and I understand. Okay, so this is... Because I've had this conversation even with other friends where a lot of them are like, they take hard stances and they're like, yo, Dunkirk freaking sucks. And I had to be like, well, and that's the thing. I didn't think it was extraordinary on my first viewing. I still, like, I didn't think it was like boring and I didn't hate it. But I remember being just a little neutral on it on my first ever viewing. And I think a lot of it is because of the expectations, especially with someone like Nolan it's hard to not have the biggest expectations going in. It's the same thing that happened to me when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the first time. I had different expectations because Tarantino always is such a layered story and it's so like so many different storylines moving together. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is really just like a hangout movie. Like there was no real plot line. It was just a very character driven thing. So for me, I really, really, really disliked it on my first viewing because I'm like, what is this? But then when I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it clicked to me because all my expectations were gone. I knew what to expect. And I was like, oh, okay, I could see it for what it was. And the same thing happened with me where each time that I have watched Dunkirk, I have liked it more and more and more to the point now, I think it is my number one Christopher Nolan movie. Interesting. You make a good point because I feel like if I've only seen it once, I could like it more. And from a te- technical aspect, it's incredible. It's incredibly yeah. shot and filmed, and it's an achievement for sure. No doubt about that. I just didn't find the story as gripping because I didn't have anyone I could cling on to. And that's something that I personally need. Yeah. But if you're really interested in that, and I might be more because back then I wasn't as interested in history as I am now, yeah. I might appreciate it more. That being said, The Prestige, I don't think I would like more on rewatch. I think, because I think the thing that separates those two is that I think Nolan with Dunkirk was setting out to do something different because the thing with that movie is that it's there are no characters to cling on. It's not, you don't know anything about but what it is, and I've discovered with each re- rewatch, it is simply him exercising like, yo, I am going to make one hour and 45 minutes of nonstop tension, nonstop suspense for an hour and 45 minutes. And that is it. And he, I think, 
I think he achieves that. I think he does it very well because the whole time is very tense. Like it just, and it never releases at any point. And, uh, and there aren't those character moments though, because it's just bouncing back and forth to build that suspense. So I do get that. But the prestige on the other hand is all character, is all story, is all plot. Um, and sometimes gets a little too plotty, I think. Um, but I also enjoy that movie too, but I can totally see, I agree to your point though, where you're like, if I rewatched Dunkirk a few times, I think you actually would see it differently and maybe enjoy it, which actually we can talk about it in a, in a moment. Don't let me forget. I'm going to cross the finger. So don't forget. It reminds me of a movie that I mentioned briefly before we recorded that just came out maybe 24 hours ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but the prestige may be tough because it's just, if you don't like it the first time, you kind of are getting what you got every time out of it for the most part. Yeah, good point. Actually, now that we talked about it, I'm excited to rewatch Dunkirk and I might change my opinion. Because just thinking back, like the technical aspect, it's so incredible. And maybe now what you said, it's going to resonate more with me, like just the tension, the nonstop tension. And yeah, I'll rewatch it and talk about it again. Yeah, I think you will, like, I'm not saying like, oh, dude, you're going to watch it the second time and it's going to be your favorite, but I think you'll at least appreciate it, I yeah. think, in a, in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and then what was the other movie? Oh, yeah, Prestige. Yeah, okay. Prestige, yeah. We did both of those. Yeah, those, those I think are good points. I have a couple as well that mm -hmm. I think are kind of real chores, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um. And I remember literally writing a letterboxed review about one. And then when I was going through, I'm like, what movie was it? Or like, my review is like, I have literally started this movie four times. I have fallen asleep every, every time. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I don't know why I brought that up because I couldn't even remember which one it was. Oh, you didn't remember? But, I thought you were going to no. say, okay. No, I did not remember. But mm -hmm. some of the other ones that I have seen, I have never been able to sit through the classic film, Dr. Zhivago, um, that classic, you know, 60s or whatever movie. Yep. I have never been able to stay awake in that movie. I have tried multiple times. I've never succeeded. I have failed every time. Um, it's very, it's like one of those where it was on TV, like it was on like TCM or something like a classic movie channel here. Mm -hmm. And like I was with my parents and this happened on two separate occasions. Both times I have fallen asleep while sitting on the couch. And then I, I wake up at the end, they're like, wow, that movie is so good. And I'm just like, what, what, what happened? Um, but another more modern one, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you have seen, it was the first movie by um, Panos Cosmatos. Uh, and that was the movie uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Did you, did you see that movie or are you aware of it? I'm aware of it. I've started it once, but I never finished it, I think. Yeah. For those uh, who might be unaware, that was the director of the film Mandy with Nick Cage. Uh, he also directed The Viewing uh, from that Cabinet of Curiosities thing that Del Toro did for Netflix. Uh, he, he directed that one episode. But Beyond the Black Rainbow was one of those movies that was really hyped up to me. And it seemed so much up my alley, just a real kind of like head trip like cult like weirdo sort of movie maybe something you put on late at night maybe something uh you know you get a little under the influence to watch first you know um but i remember it, it was one of those movies where and that's the worst thing is when a movie becomes a chore where it's like 
I have to finish this. I keep checking the watch. And it's it was one of those movies. Um, and, and that was one that was a real bummer to me because it was so hyped up and in my head hyped up, not even just from other people, but from myself. And uh, ultimately, it's one of those that is just so just like painstakingly slow in the way that it unravels things that. I mean, this movie is like a surefire cult classic, like that will be a movie that in 10, 20, 30. Well, I guess it's already been 10 years, but in, in another 10 years and in, in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, like I think a lot of people will really like it. But I do think it's unbelievably boring, though. That sucks. Um, yeah, I don't know why I never finished it. I think I started it and then something came up. I had to do something and then I just kind of forgot. Or you're like, oh, hey, this movie's boring as shit. So let me turn this off and do something else. But I still finish them. Like, even if a movie's very boring, I still finish it. That's like the completionist in me. Oh, it's this one you never finished, you're saying, at all. Yeah, I never finished it. Like, I think something came up and then I forgot about it, or I'm not sure what happened, but. That sucks, but I wanna I wanna watch it because I know there's like I've seen some shots from like the later parts of the film and it's beautiful. Like it's just it looks so yeah. cool and yeah. It's one of the I mean it looks like a Kubrick movie where it's just like everything is just like perfectly framed and it's the cinematography is unmatched. Like that can't be denied. Um but I don't know. I, I it's one of those that's maybe a little bit too like enigmatic a little too ambiguous and too like artsy fartsy for its own good maybe or at least for me um it reminded me a lot of that movie with scarlett johansson that jonathan glazer did i think it was called under the skin yeah um did you see that one as well i haven't but i've heard of it it's uh, to me a similar kind of movie and under the skin in a weird way is almost i would say is almost on that level of of also sort of being like all right this is a little like I don't know, a little boring here. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but Jonathan Glazer is a really good director. And actually, he just directed a new movie about World War II uh, that I'm very excited to see. It's called The uh, the Zone of Interest. Never heard of it. Like oh, coming- dude. I, yeah, it just played at the New York Film Fest, uh, premiered there. So I think it's coming out like it's an A24 uh, thing. So I think at the end of the year or beginning yep. of next year. That's it looks cool. super cool. I like I like that director a lot, but that movie I think is kind of boring also. Um, but again, we're not here to just rag on movies. We're not here to to shit on movies and 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 uh, you know just a shout out to boring movies because uh, we both like talking about movies we very much like. Yep. Um, so with that being said, should we transition? Do is there anything that you've seen recently, maybe that you want to shout out, or should we should we get into the movie that at least for us just dropped yesterday hell yeah let's talk about it okay it's starring a friend of ours from the great film song to song michael fassbender <laughs> um but Dave, david fincher's the killer just dropped uh at least on day of recording like yesterday mm-hmm. uh, and by the time it came out probably just a few days ago but i know it's been very an- anticipated i know for you you've been highly anticipating this movie as well um what'd you think what were your thoughts i liked it a lot i watched it last night and it's very different from fincher's other films which i like it 
sort of has a feeling of like early 2000s Fincher. So with Dragon Tattoo and Social Network in terms of like vibe and editing and things like that. But it's so different and it's so methodical and smooth and the way it flows. And it's not as heavy as his other films in terms of like, it's just, like I said, it's like a couple of days in the life of a killer. There's mm-hmm. not much more to it. It's not as action-packed as people might expect it to be. There's a lot less killing than people thought, and I heard that some people were disappointed in it. But I liked it, and that just made the action scenes that much more pop, especially the one in Florida, like that action scene. That was just incredible. It was was so great. Like You felt every hit. And I also liked about it that he's not this perfect hitman who kills people like with ease. He struggles. He's still human. He is inhumane, but he is human. He makes mistakes. He is not this amazing John Wick who kills like like hundreds of people. Yeah. And that's just I liked it. It was a very cool approach. And especially like with the references it took, like with Le Samurai and things like that. I just thought it was brilliant. What about you? Yeah, I uh so initially when I had put it on, I I legitimately almost turned it off when the opening credits came on. Mm-hmm. The opening because also it was so abrupt. Like literally I clicked play immediately the credits start playing. So I'm like, whoa, 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 there's no even like opening like to settle me. It was like, okay. And then honestly, the way that the opening whole credits were. I thought it was so fucking cheesy. I thought it looked bad. I thought it looked really corny. And in my head, I'm like, oh, Netflix didn't make a David Fincher movie. David Fincher made a Netflix movie. I'm like, this is going to be very bad. But then it starts and I was immediately hooked. And I wish the opening credit sequence, which it really is not important in the grand scheme of things, but it really was a weird way to start. Like, I don't, I don't like it at all. The way mm-hmm. that they edited it, the way that it was put together, every choice made for the opening credit sequence, I thought was awful. I thought it was terrible. But the movie starts, and like you said, it's one of probably one of the most methodical movies I've seen because it's like methodical squared, right? It's methodical in the sense that you're following this guy who does everything very much. Don't anticipate or don't improvise. Anticipate. You know, trust no one. That's how you It's all very da 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 da, and it's just a repetition of it. And then Fincher, I mean, Fincher is such a damn good director that he literally he he made with the camera the same experience that that guy goes through mentally. So, like for us, which I get is the director's job, but it's a very difficult thing to be like, okay, I literally just gave you guys this guy's entire mindset through the use of the way that I'm editing this and shooting it and framing it. Like in that way, it's, it may be one of the most effectively directed things Fincher has maybe ever done um, because it's so, it, it is so, it, it is perfect. The way he directed it is perfect for the story. Um, and now I thought like, I thought the story was really good too. Like I liked I really liked it a lot. I cannot lie. I really enjoyed it. And I think that it was one of those where it's it's 
it's a lot of me figuring out how much I liked it as well. Like now that I'm talking about it out loud with someone, because uh, obviously it just came out. Neither of us have had that much time to digest it or maybe even talk about it with anyone, at least for me. Like, like I said, I fell asleep while watching it. Maybe I said that off the pod, but I fell asleep while watching like the last 20 minutes. So I woke up and turned on the last 20. So I'm still like formulating, you know, everything, but man, I, I really liked it. I, I, I like the way that he chose to tell the story. The first 25 or like half hour is so good. That whole setup of that first, uh, of the job, like of the job that he's on is so good. And he takes his time and it's, yeah, man, I, I liked it a lot. I cannot lie. And I, you know me, I'm a hater, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> It was so great, like, even if you mentioned, because someone, I posted a shot of it yesterday, and yeah. someone commented, like, does it get any better because the first 20 minutes are so boring? But I thought, like, it's just the way he preps, and you just, it's, it's a setup to understand who you're watching, what's in his head, how does he operate? And it, it feels so much more earned what he does, even though... I'm not going to spoil it, but something happens. Yeah. It just feels that much more earned because if he just went there and just shoots the guy and goes out, it's just like, yeah, it's cool, but we've seen that a million times. And I love, I love that you bring that up because there's a great line in, in the opening 20 minutes where Fastbender in voiceover says, if you are unable to handle boredom, this job is not for you. He says that straight up. Fincher yeah. is straight up looking at you like, yo, get with it or like get out of here like it's going to mm -hmm. be slow if you cannot handle the quote-unquote boredom this will not be for you so i love that you brought that up because it's such an integral part of the story and who it is and i didn't find it boring at all and i find a lot of shit boring like say song song the song is freaking boring not the freaking killer dude but i liked it oh i'm honestly gonna up up it uh, a half a star also on uh on Letterboxd as we speak. Because the more I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, damn, bro, that movie was freaking good. Um, and I think that's the same. This is so crazy, again, with the coincidence, because we talked about boring films. This is, like, the thing he says in the beginning of the film. Another thing you mentioned, it's just the way I just lost my thought. Let me just catch it again. I forgot what yes. I wanted to say. As I was talking, I just forgot about it. That's me every time I open my mouth. I immediately forget what I was going to say or do. Um, okay, just something about something. the boredom. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was something this... about direct, dude. <laughs> okay. Just I'm going to talk some random stuff, and you just think about it. If we can't, then just bring it up some, you know, later on. Okay. But the the thing with this movie too is that uh it also it doesn't take itself very seriously and i'd be curious to actually read the book also to see like i bet the book is probably really good and I, I i'm curious to know if the chapters are laid out in the same way they do the chapters in the movie how it's like a chapter one paris chapter two dominican republic chapter three whatever I, i'd be curious to know if it's laid out in the same way like just like six or seven chapters plus like the epilogue um but it also doesn't take itself very seriously. It was very funny. There was a lot of very funny moments um, that lightened it up. And also, Fastbender was unbelievably swaggy. His 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 swag was on another level. I I uh, I respect the hell out of it. His style, man. 
It's like the cheap hat, the cheap bucket hat. Yes, the bucket hat fastbender. Dude, his face was looking all sorts of crazy. Like in that, like, dude, there comes a point where I'm also like, oh, this dude is an unbelievable actor. His eyes literally started to like go in different directions. Like he literally started to get a lazy eye when he would like stare. I'm like, that that dude literally has perfected the dead eye stare. Like that's that is unbelievable to me that crazy. someone can do that on a physical level. Yeah. It's insane. And it was very funny the way he said, like, he disguises himself as a German tourist because nobody wants to deal with them. That was just, yeah. because that's just so true. That was, that was great. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really liked this movie. I'm curious. Well, I, I didn't see Mank. Did you see that movie Mank, uh, Fincher made before this one? No, because I never saw, um, what's it called? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Never saw Citizen Kane, and I want to watch Citizen Kane before I watch Mank. Yeah, I you probably should. Great, so. You've seen both. You should right? get on it. No, I never saw Mank. Oh. Um, I, I've seen Citizen Kane uh, many mm. times, but I've never seen. I think I have a poster in here somewhere, Citizen Kane, but I, I've never seen Mank. Um, I don't know why. I, I there was nothing like, or I'm like, I'm not going to see this. It was just mm-hmm. like one of those. It's like oh, I just forgot to get around to it, but I think it's on Netflix though. Yeah, it is. You could do like it is okay. Watch it today, and then you have both Fincher Netflix films. Yeah, I might have to knock that out this weekend. Honestly, um, I'd be super curious, but I'm curious to know, like at least just off initial, off initial viewing, like you know, last 24 hours, still fresh in your mind. What two Fincher movies would you put the killer between? Like in where in your sort of ranking or whatever. Where would you put the killer um, in the ranking of Fincher? And if you got to pull up that uh, filmography, please do. Okay. Well, Seven is still my number one Fincher film. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. don't want to change. Honestly. You mean mean to tell me it's not Alien 3? It's definitely Alien 3. That's my number one for sure. (laughs) I haven't even seen that one, to be honest. I haven't either. And I always forget that Fincher directed it, which is, it's so weird when you look at his filmography. It's like eight was that, that was That was his first m- movie, right? Yep. I think that was his debut, yeah. Yep. Which is wild, but... Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, The Killer might be in my top three. Interesting. It might, it might even be number two. I'm not sure. I guess it's seven is still my number one. I think then the social network and the killer is like right, right yeah. there. And I think after that, either Zodiac or Fight Club. But I have to rewatch Fight Club because I haven't seen it in ages. Yeah. Yeah. Gonger, I also haven't seen in a while. And I forgot a lot about that film. Mm-hmm. And the girl with the dragon tattoo. I don't remember anything from that film. Just the vibe. I never of it. saw. I never saw that one. Mm-hmm. I saw it. That in such, it's been a long time, and for some reason yeah. I don't remember any scenes. It's just like the vibe I have that I remember. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a <laughs> ranking set, or do you need more time? I think. I mean, I know for me, obviously, like number one for me is also seven. Like, I really love that movie, but I'm trying to think like what I would put this between. I do, I do like this more than like Panic Room. 
Um, I always forget that he did the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but I certainly like this better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like this movie more than the game. Have you seen the game? I haven't. The game is one I highly recommend it because the first viewing of the game is incredible. Like mm-hmm. everyone's first, but it's one of those movies where there are plenty of films where even when you know the twist at the end of it, you mm-hmm. can still go back and be like, whoa, holy shit. It was all in plain sight and this and that. But the game is one of those where once you know the ending, it kind of ruins other viewings. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I feel that way. To me, okay. I'm just like, oh, like it's not like they're hiding things to where it's mm-hmm. like, oh my God, how did I miss that? Or it's like, oh, but this is, it's just like, oh, I know where this is leading up to. So the mystery to me is just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but on first viewing, if you only watch the game one time, it it could be like a top three, like top four Fincher. If you watch it only mm-hmm. one time. Yeah. Damn. I'll but, have to check it out. But I've, it's, it's really good. It came out in the right. 90s. Say that again? It's set in San Francisco, right? I think so. I think it's, okay. uh, yeah, actually, it is for sure San Francisco. Yeah, and it has Sean Penn. It has Michael Douglas. Um, it has a really good cast. And I've just seen it a couple times. So with each reviewing, it's just gone down for me. But if I would have only seen it just the one time, it probably would be up there. But I would probably put this maybe right in front of Zodiac mm-hmm. um, and maybe right behind. Damn, honestly, I'm looking at the filmography, dude. Maybe maybe this is number two behind seven. Honestly, I can't lie. Oh, yeah. But I will say I have not seen the social network since it came out. So I don't remember it like at all. And I am, I am like, it's, it's due for me to go on like a proper Fincher, like just rewatch of everything. Um, so maybe it could be the social network up there as well. Gone Girl haven't seen in years. Um, so those could be up there as well, but I think I would put it around Zodiac. Seven's my number one. And honestly, I, I very much dislike Fight Club. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would probably, maybe number two, honestly, now that I'm really thinking about it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yep. It was really good. It was really good. And I liked the, the presentation of it a lot. Yeah. Did you hear that he had talks about a social network too? He said in an interview. No way. Yeah, about he, what? Well, there's a lot of stuff that happened afterwards. So like the Congress, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, this whole thing. I think they had talks about it. Interesting. He could make a second one, which would be interesting. It'd be interesting. It doesn't seem like a film that would need a sequel. I mean, would you even be able to get Jesse Eisenberg again for it? It's been like 14 years. That would be however hard. long it's been. I'm not sure if he would want, but honestly, if Fincher calls, I don't think he would say no. Also, I'm curious, like, is it like Mark Zuckerberg now, like now in 2023? Well, or when is the, it... stuff, the Congress happened with those leaks and with Russia and oh. all that election things like that and like trump i think that was i remember the whole yeah, thing yeah fincher i know you're listening to this dave i know you're listening to the pod stay away from it dude just don't don't do it there's no need stay away make something else make something new make something new make another killer type movie yep. make something new we don't need to revisit I'd what be, they I'd needed be, to say i'd be interested to see a second one honestly just to see how fincher would approach that because he's never done a sequel 
Not the sequel to his yeah. films. He's done Alien. Yeah, 3, I was but... gonna say just Alien Three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I remember. I remember hearing, um, I could be making this up, but wasn't there like something going around that they were going to do some kind of like Fight Club sequel or some shit? Or am I making this up? There is a comic book that is set after the first film. Oh, okay. But I think it was only like a book or a comic book. I'm not sure if they talked about a movie, but they might have. Honestly. I know the this, comic like, thing makes sense. I remember there was like some kind of continuation of some kind. There's a comic book with like his son, and they have. I'm not. I haven't read it, so I don't know what it's about. Okay. But someone probably thought about making a movie, but Fincher probably said no. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure they're probably coming out of the woodwork. Well, anyway, it's been a minute since we have talked, though. Uh, prior to this, and I know we've both seen a lot of a lot of shit uh anything that you've seen recently that you uh particularly uh want to discuss or put me on to or get off your chest let me look at my diary so i'm gonna go like pre and post spooktober and then we can maybe do like a quick spooktober recap just quickly talk about we watched but there were a couple films i watched before that i wanted to mention and let me see Okay, so the last time we talked was... Okay, so I watched this film called Museum Hours, which I just quickly want to shout out. Okay. Someone, his name is Loey on Instagram. He saw that I love Columbus, and he put me on this film. He's like, hey, you love Columbus? Watch this film. It's called Museum Hours. It's directed by Jim Cohen. Came out in 2012. It's incredible. I watched it. It, It was hard to find. And it was shot in Vienna. And it's pretty much almost completely set in a museum. And it's about this woman who comes to Vienna to visit a sick friend in a hospital. And not knowing what to do in between, she goes to the museum and meets this guy who works there. And they connect, form this really great friendship. It's very similar vibes to Columbus. And if you love those types of films, and if you love going to the museum, it's an amazing film. Everyone listening, go find it. It's hard to find, but honestly, it's worth it. Slow film, a lot of talking, but so great. I'm looking at it now on Letterboxd. I can't possibly picture or think of another more Dino movie than this, probably. I've never seen it's it, but it looks pretty neat. So right up my alley, and it's amazing. Okay, so then I watched The Samurai which is fitting because I bought the Criterion. This It was my first Criterion. Your first I run, yeah. It. I paid the price. It was a birthday present to myself in September. Yes, sir. So, yeah. Then I watched Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On. Have you seen that one? I haven't. I feel like that's so, another like good Dino movie. I feel yeah. like that's one that would really be like your type of steez, your vibe. You know me so well. I was so excited to watch it, but it never came out of theaters. It, it was it was really good. It's so wholesome, so sweet. I love okay. it. Yep. I'm about to check it out. I'm about to check it out. For sure. And I watched Past Lives, which I need to mention. Did you did you get a chance to watch it? 
No, but we are on a Dino Athon right now because all these yeah. movies, I'm like, yep, that's a Dino movie. Yeah. I remember Absolutely. seeing the ads for it and being like, Dino's going to love the shit out of this movie. I know for a fact. It was a five out of five. It is my favorite <laughs> film of this year. It's It immediately jumps into my top whatever. I, I don't know, but. Whoa, it's okay. So it's so good. It's honestly one of the best films I've seen. It so all right at my alley. And I think you would love it as well. Okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. I know that it was playing it was playing in theaters around here mm-hmm. or maybe at festivals, I don't remember, but um but it's out and about. Did you rent it? How did you see it? I caught it in theaters, thank God, because it was playing okay. here in Switzerland. And I went by myself. That was the first time I went by myself in Oh, we we talked about this, I think maybe. Yeah. Or I saw you I, post something maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because I've I went to see Spider-Verse by myself when it came out because I had moved to a different city to college. Didn't know anyone, went by myself. And I always wanted to re-experience that. With this one, it, it, it was supposed to leave the theater and I caught it right before it left. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I watched it in theaters by myself. It was an amazing, very intimate, very like meditative experience. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And for anyone listening who has ever thought about like, oh, I want to go see a movie in theaters, but like maybe I don't have any friends to go with or go by yourself. Going to the mm-hmm. theaters alone is a great experience. Go go by yourself. It's OK. You can be alone and enjoy it. You don't need a homie around you. Your homies are on the screen for two hours. Exactly. You're not going to be judging if someone judges you. Fuck them, man. Fuck them. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, so what? Yeah. OK, so three more. I rewatched Surf's Up, which I don't know why I rewatched because I watched the second one, which I had never seen, which was horrible. I'm not gonna talk about that one. <laughs> it was a WrestleMania crossover, which is the weirdest. Uh, really? I thought it might be funny, but it's just yeah, whatever. Surf's Up. I mean, I it was my favorite film when I was a kid, and uh-huh. I rewatched it, and it's just as great. It filled me with so much joy. It was an incredible experience. That movie just rocks. Have you ever seen it? It's yeah. It's like the uh, it's like the cooler, like older brother to Happy Feet. It is. It is, and it's yeah. such like a great like those skate documentaries, but like with surfing. Yeah. Like, and vibe. Yeah. So great. And then I watched The Whale. Finally. Oh, for the first time. For the first time, and that was incredible. My favorite Afronowski film. I gave it a five out of five. Really? Stars. I thought it was just insane. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it a lot too. I, I, I enjoyed it. But that's that's a huge claim. Number one, Aronofsky. That's awesome. I just loved it so much. I thought it was amazing performance, amazing story. It really like just captured my heart and I thought it was amazing. I know it received a lot of backlash, but yeah. I don't get why. I still don't understand why it received any Same. backlash, to be honest with you. Same. Yeah, those were mine. You want to get into yours? I'm just going to like turn a light on quickly because as you saw... Yeah, I was just... going to say, I was, where, where are you? I don't even see on the screen anymore. You witnessed um, yeah. German New Winter. Was... Like, it, it's yeah. not even 5 p.m. It's just completely dark outside and you can't even see me. So I'm just going to turn it on. And Yes. <laughs> um so for me i guess let me go through as well were those all of your pre-october uh viewings yeah pre and post i did both pre- okay 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do, I guess, I think maybe we talk. So I'm going to, I'm going to get into, well, you know what? I'll do one that I might've seen after we, wow, we might not have talked in maybe a month then, but I saw. We did it. We didn't talk about the films we previously saw. So that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So one movie I do want to talk about that I saw in theaters that was a re-release that A24 re-released, and that was the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense Live concert film. Mm-hmm. Um, by are you aware of this uh, movie? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, nope. I'm sure you had to have seen because in the last like month, like that was all they posted about was like Stop Making Sense, Stop Making Sense. Their whole Instagram was flooded. People were going crazy over it. But it's a live concert film that Jonathan Demi of uh, Silence of the Lambs fame, uh, he directed this in the maybe like 84 or something. Um, 86, yeah. 84, yeah. It was really dope. It was my first time actually watching it ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I got to see it on a big screen. And it was one of those where it was just an awesome viewing experience i went with my boy pat who is also my assistant director on on projects and like people in the theater were all like up clapping they were all singing along to the concert like it was a very like cool interactive thing it almost reminded me of going to see like the uh, rocky horror picture show in theaters where Mm -hmm. it's like super not quite as like raucous or as like you know party like as that because that is like straight up going to a party but this was like literally people were up out of their seats dancing. People were singing. People were clapping. After every song, people were like, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it felt like being at a concert and it was really cool. And I love the way that it was shot. It was so creative and so cool. And the Talking Heads were just such a great, great band. And um, yeah, man, I think you would really enjoy it. I, I, and I'm not a big concert film kind of guy and I'm really not that well-versed. Even though I love music, obviously, as you know, I have a big, you know, background in music too, but mm-hmm. I never have watched that many. But to me, I was just like, this is like, it's just so creative and just so good. And it wasn't trying to mix in too much crazy shit. It was just, this is the concert. And then they're just going to be creative as hell at their concert instead of like, let's mix in these interviews or let's mix in footage of 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 things happening outside that parallel. It's not trying to do any of that. It's just you're gonna have a good time for an hour watching this awesome set, hearing awesome music and seeing these really quirky and talented individuals for, uh, you know, for like an hour 15 or however long it is, you know. I'm not that familiar with the band. I might've heard a song for sure. You, but... for, sh- you for sure have heard like, like Psycho Killer, I'm sure is like a very popular That's song. Fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, and they, they open, he opens with that in Stop Making Sense acoustic. He brings it, he walks out with a boom box and he clicks it and it's like a little like, like a drum thing. And then mm-hmm. he plays it acoustically, just him and it's like boom box on the ground. Um, but it's real. it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, they also do that song Once in a Lifetime. I'm sure you've heard that one too. Mm-hmm. Um, just classic 80s stuff. It's one of those things like, you know, like your parents might, you know, be like, oh yeah, of course the talking heads. Um, but really good. And I highly recommend it. Like even going into it, I only knew like three songs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, and I still loved it. Now I'm like, I've listened to the whole album like multiple times, mm-hmm. uh, the live album, but I only went into it knowing like three, maybe four songs. That was it. So uh, I think regardless whether you know any of the music or not, it's still an awesome, awesome time. Hell yeah. 
I'll I'll definitely check uh, it out. I haven't seen a, like a concert movie in a while. I'm kind of down for that, just to vibe yeah. some, do some cool music, have some cool visuals, and watch it. It's 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 a really 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 good movie. I cannot uh, emphasize that one enough. Awesome. Um, and then I guess I guess we said we're gonna keep Spooktober aside, right, mm-hmm. for a little recap. So I. Okay, so I'll wait for these because they are, I guess, Spooktober-esque. Um, are they? I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Okay. Um, let's see. What else What else did I see? Just a lot of horror because I realized looking back, even in September, I already – I just started early. You I was started like, early. Man. <laughs> I was like, let me let me get into it. And, One month. Um, exactly. And even in the beginning of November, I'm like, let's – why not? Let's just do the whole thing. Um, but let's see here. Let's see if there's anything non non horror that I did uh, get into. Uh, I rewatched the movie Repo Man. Have you ever seen that movie? Nope. Heard about with it. Emil- but... Yeah, with Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Um, I rewatched it on a plane. Actually, I was uh, uh, I was flying, and I was like, I haven't seen Repo Man in so long. And it's one of just the most like badass fun. Like I think literally in my review, I'm just like reminder to self: do not be afraid to push the boundaries of like filmmaking or like everything that you think. Like oh yeah, no, you can't do that in a movie. They're just like okay, hold my beer. I'm gonna go do this in a movie. Like mm-hmm. there is no holding back, and it is just it's so fun. It's about Emilio Estevez is like. He gets hooked into like getting a repo man job. Harry Dean Stanton is like a seasoned like veteran repo man. And Emilio Estevez somehow gets into the job. And um What's a repo man? There's oh, okay. So a repo man is someone who like goes to repos- repossess cars that haven't been like paid off. So so okay. if like say like I have like my car sitting in the driveway or something and mm-hmm. I have not paid any bills on it for the last few months. Some dude will literally come in, break into that shit, and take it. And they take it back to the dealership or they take it back to the bank or whoever has it. Damn. They take it. and you Or to their repo yard or whatever. And then you have to go in and pay them to get your car okay. back. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a whole – I guess it's a popular – it's a big American thing. Rate? They don't, like, tow it? Yeah, I mean, I mean they have – like they'll tow if they can't they will straight up like get in there with like they have a thing through like the window to open it up just fucking and they'll they will go get in like there's a show uh i forget if it was called like repo men or whatever or like operation repo or some shit but some trashy american reality television a lot of shows were all about these people uh <laughs> and there there it was more like reality but it was a lot more like oh wow like they're gonna break windows in and people are coming out with guns it's not quite like that but depending on the neighborhood certainly like people will not take kindly to that um but it's essentially he plays he he gets in a job one of these and one of the cars they have to get is like has this glowing green trunk and if you've seen pulp fiction as i'm sure everyone listening has Mm -hmm. this is a big inspiration and we can date back even further in a sec but the whole uh, uh, luggage, the suitcase, the br- I'm sorry, the briefcase that opens up and it's just uh, MacGuffin and it has nothing to do with the story, but it opens it up and the light, that is from Repo Man. The trunk has nothing to do with anything, 
but yet is this thing that they are constantly chasing and you open it up and it glows. It's the same. It, it, Tarantino clearly is playing homage to that. But even more so, if you've seen the movie Kiss Me Deadly, a film noir from the 50s, um, that is where Rebo Man and Pulp Fiction are both taking that from. There is a suitcase that opens up and it's like a nuclear holocaust when they open up the suitcase. I think um, you talked about it once because remember when I had to do like a analysis of Pulp Fiction for school and you and I talked about it? Yeah. I mean, you think okay. you told where that came I from. probably mentioned, I probably yeah. had this exact same word for word what I just said. That so, it kind of came like... from Repo Man by way of Kiss Me Deadly. Yep. Yeah. Um, but great, great movie. So much fun. Um, highly recommend seeing it. Even if you see it on a plane, it's still a ton of fun. Um, and then one more, I guess I'll get into. Go ahead. I gotta check it out. I love Emilio yeah. Estevez. It sounds cool. It's 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 like, it's like comedy action. It's super funny. It's just like it's a classic '80s movie in that it's just like no holds barred, no boundaries. Like we are just gonna go do this thing. We're gonna go out and make this. And no, you'll you'll get what I mean when you watch it. Where it's like okay, like if you've ever had a mind to make movies or thought, it's like, okay, this is showing me that like anything is possible. Anything mm -hmm. that you can think of to put on a screen is possible. You don't have to keep yourself in any kind of reality or anything, like push the boundaries. This movie did it and it shows that you can do it. It's awesome. I love that movie. I love that. I love when people just like get creative and just don't think about like, oh, are people going to like this? Or is this even good? Like they just go for it and just push everything. Then they don't put themselves on a box. And exactly and, and they're just doing the story justice too they're not you know that's like the most truest thing you could do for a film like that um and then one other that i'll get into uh really quickly um before we get into some spooktober uh recap because that's where the real juice is going to be i started uh november as we all know it is now november gotta start november and i just i really just want to shout out this movie which I've talked about on the Mandalay Instagram page uh, recently. Um, we talked about it in the comments of that post, but really the movie Odds Against Tomorrow is one of the all-time great film noirs. I really think that this movie is so good, and I will champion this movie until I am six feet under the ground. I, this movie should be seen by more people, and it's so good. And I just want to take the platform here on the pod for anyone listening. This movie is on YouTube for free. Just search Odds Against Tomorrow 1959. It is up there. You don't have to pay a penny, a cent, a pound, a euro, a, a lire, whatever kind of currency is out there, a yen. You don't have to pay anything. It is free, except maybe North Korea. You're probably not going to be able to watch that shit. But anywhere else in the world, you can watch this movie for free on YouTube. And it's a great film noir that really, it talks about like race relations. It's a little ham-fisted, like on rewatch, I'm like, a lot of this is a little just too on the nose, but again, the timing, like the time of it, but it handles like race issues. It is also just a cool, like badass noir, like cool in the sense of like, like these characters are like cool in the music. And it's just like one of those movies that you're like, I could post a still of this on my story. And just be like, yeah, I'm like a cool dude who watches like these cool movies, you know. Um, but it's just, I don't know, man. It's, it's I, I don't want to, it's just a great movie edited. One of the best edited movies I've seen. 
uh, best directed, um, you know, a greatly directed movie by Robert Wise, who he's known for directing The Sound of Music uh, and also the original West Side Story. Um, so it's funny to see him do this like 10 years prior to those. Um, and he also directed which one? I think the first ever Star Trek movie. Like this dude did a lot of like mainstream sort of shit um, yeah. in like the 60s and 70s. Um, but he might best be known for a movie called The Haunting, which was uh, the first ever adaptation of The Haunting on Hill House. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out in 62. Very good slow burn horror movie. Um, he also did The Day the Earth Stood Still. This dude is a great director. Um, Robert Wise, shout out to him. And I highly recommend it, Dino. I think, I know we talked about it on Instagram, but I think you'll really like this movie. And it's it's an all-time great film noir. And uh, I can't I can't say enough good things about it, truly. I actually set out to watch it this weekend. Like, I fully planned on it. I watched it. Oh, really yes. Well. I have time on Sunday. I'm going to put it on. It's on YouTube. You as well, if you're listening to this, you might be listening to it on YouTube. Like, right up there, you can just search for it and watch it. Yeah. And come back to this. I'll definitely watch it soon this weekend. Let me know. You real definitely just convinced me. You have a poster of it. You also mentioned. I do. I have a poster of it, not in this room, but in the other room where I film those reels. I I I do have a odds against tomorrow, like a horizontal poster, which is super cool. Um, I love that movie, man. I I really do. Right when I watch. Let me know. Put it on right before if you got time. What time are the Niners playing tomorrow, or is it a bye week? And no, we're playing well on Sunday. We're playing on at seven my time. So afterwards, I'll have some some time. Okay. 7 PM my time. I don't know. I think. It's oh, okay. Like, so it's it's the one at one o'clock game. The early, the first games. Oh yeah, one o'clock. Yeah, that's right. Six one hours. o'clock game. Okay. Oh, yes, so you got plenty of time afterwards. Yeah, throw that bitch on at like ten. It's only like an hour and a half too. Like it's it, it moves quickly. Like it's a solid ninety minutes. It's it's fun. That's why I like. I know I have some time afterwards after the game. I'm probably gonna crave something and then i'll watch of course it. Yep. Who, who are the niners not to not to detract i know some of the movie folks uh, might not care to hear but who are the niners playing tomorrow jaguars oh that'll honestly probably be a closer game than i think people might expect dude trevor lawrence is playing pretty well so we'll see he's starting to pick it up and then i'm pretty sure we're facing off the week after that, Bucks Niners, if I'm not mistaken. I think they play the following week. Let me ch- You're right. You are right. Do they? Because I remember yep. it's like the week before Thanksgiving, I think, or two weeks before Thanksgiving, they're playing. You're definitely right. Oh, that'll be interesting. I don't know what led us on that tangent, mm-hmm. but should we get into Spooktober talk? Let's get into Spooktober. All right, let's get into Spooktober talk. We hope there's some football fans out there. Uh, if it is, drop a comment on what your squad is so we can uh, shit talk how bad you guys are. Uh, <laughs> Unless they're the Niners, then... Unless they're the Niners, then... Yeah, that's the only team that is an NFC team that I'm still like, okay, I'll be nice because Dino rocks with them, and I don't hate them, and I love Brock Purdy. So I, I, I'm oh, yeah. kind of nice to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't hate the Buccaneers. So there's an equal, equal exactly. respect to it. Exactly. And the one thing okay. I, that I know I will always have over you is that Ch- Tom chose us over you. I'm sorry. I'll end the convo there. But he chose us over his hometown. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that, that's the last time I promise. Even though I think Kyle Shanahan didn't want him, which is... That's the reason. 
That is 100% the reason he was going to go there. I guarantee it. Yeah. He didn't want him there because he would overshadow Kyle Shanahan. And people would say it's Tom Brady, not a coaching. Shanahan, which look at, which by the way, look at Belichick and the Pats now. It was clearly Tom over the coach. Clearly. There's nothing wrong with it. If like if you're a good coach, why wouldn't you get someone like Tom Brady? We could have we could have had a ring. But 100%. There's no reason why the Bucks got a ring in 2020. There is no reason why. I'm glad you did, but it could have been our sixth, but hey. Yeah. Hey, just let us have our second, okay? Let us have our second. Okay, fine. Okay, so I finally watched The Sixth Sense. Yes. That is correct. We talked about it already off the pod. Yeah. I know yep. it was a thing on the podcast where you said I'm like the only person on the planet who doesn't know the twist. I didn't know yes. it. I didn't expect it. When he looked at his I can't spoil it. For people who Honestly, guys, guys, guys. I I I firmly stand behind that Dino is the only person on earth who did not know it. So I feel confident in spoiling it, but if you are like Dino and for some reason you've never heard of the twist of Sixth Sense, fast forward like 30 seconds or 45 seconds. Right now, I'll give you a second. Fast forward. Go, go, go. Okay, spoil it. Okay. When he looked at his hand and the ring wasn't there, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. And my girlfriend yeah. looked over me. She's like, what? She looked back and then it was like another scene and she was like, oh, shit. And we just yeah. both looked at each other with left, like our mouths wide open. We were just like screaming. We would just went feral, dude. It was <laughs> such a great experience. We were like, what the fuck? It was so much fun. Not knowing Twist all... and watching it. I'm glad I lived under a rock, apparently. So good. I'm, I'm glad you did, too. I love that I can like vicariously re-experience that. Because I never got to experience that. I knew the twist before I ever saw the movie. So that's kind of taken from me. So I love that I can experience that through you. That is freaking awesome. I'll give some enthusiasm back to you. Thank you. I watched The City of the Dead, which you recommended. I, can, you, can you believe this? I never watched it all October. I never got around to it again. I never did. Did you, did you at least watch a Scooby-Doo film? Neither. But, but, but let me say something. Let me say something. Both of them, in my opinion, are very valid November watches too, I think. I think they're both very good November watches as well. So I have this whole month. I have this whole month. City of the Dead, they kind of got the Pilgrim thing going on a little bit. So sure. I I think I got some time here. I got some time. You do. And honestly, you can watch any, like both and any Scooby-Doo film at any day of the year because they're just so good. Mm Mm-hmm. There's just something about that one, though. The Witch's Ghost. Some in particular, it's an October-November movie. I, w- yeah. I refuse to watch that in, like, April. To me, it would just be wrong. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Okay. I watched Shadow of the Vampire. Talk which... about it. Talk, talk to me about it. It's, dude, it's incredible. I told you about it. Yeah, very briefly. It's one of the most creative films I've ever seen and it's one of those films and you know what I'm talking about because you mentioned it as well one of those films that just changes your whole perspective on movies and movie making like I just watched it and I was like oh I can do shit that before that I didn't even know was possible yeah that's that film it's a retelling 
of the filming of the original Nosferatu film. But it's like, okay, but what if they cast an actual vampire <laughs> as the lead, but no one knew from the crew except the director. And he made a deal yeah. with him to give him something in return, not going to spoil it, for him to star in this film. And some people are like catching on to it during the filming. Yeah. It's Willem Dafoe as the vampire, Nosferatu, which is incredible. And John Malkovich is in it playing... Uh, is he playing the director, Myrna? No, exactly. And dude, it's just... It's one of the best films I have seen. And I was super... Go ahead. It's so creative and so well filmed as well. It's not just like the concept of it, the idea, the execution. stuff. It's just how it was filmed. Like very true to that age and just how they recreated scenes from the film, seeing how they filmed it. So good. So good. I got it. Where did you watch the movie? It's on YouTube for free. Really? At least in Germany. Not sure over there, but in Germany it's available. Okay, Let me, hold on. I'm going to take a look because it's not on streaming anywhere. If it is, that's amazing. Do they treat it at all with any kind of uh, comedy? Because it seems like there might be... Oh, depends it is up here. On, depends on your sense of humor. Okay. It's not a comedy film, so it's... You could see it as that, but it's just like very... It is like weird, but not in like that way. Yeah. And it's just interesting. So wow, interesting. I'm gonna peep that. I added it to the watch list on on uh, on YouTube. Please do, please do. It's so, oh, it's so good. It's so good. The ending as well. It's such a great ending. And just the way, like I didn't know what it was about. I was just, I thought it was just like a recreation, like a. Like, how did they film Nosferatu as a movie? Like, how did they make it behind the yeah. scenes drama? Or what? I didn't know that the plot was, like, an actual vampire. So when he came on, I was like, he's acting very weird. Like, did the actor, the real-life actor, really act that way? But then you find out, and I was like, whoa. Like, is this really happening? Yeah. And this, the whole time, I was like, am I tripping? Before they revealed it, I was like, am I tripping? Like, what's happening? Is it just, like, method acting? I was like, dude, he might be a real vampire. And then it was revealed, and I was just like, damn. Dude, so good. Wow. You gotta watch it. I'm okay. excited for it. I watched Science. I'm gonna, like, get quickly into those. Science. Uh-huh. Another um, one of M. Night. M. Night Shyamalan's. Didn't know the twist as well. Great film. I watched No One Will Save You, which is... Kind of inspired by science it's a new Disney yes uh, i saw it as well yeah have you seen it yeah i saw it when it uh maybe like two a week or two ago yeah did you like it i enjoyed it i i, yeah. I thought it was fun i thought it was fun yeah. same same not over the top but it was it was fine then i watched don't look now don't oh fuck yeah yep because... right before your trip Right. He told me to, and I promised to it, Venice. so I did. Yep. All right. And it definitely enhanced my, like, Halloween Venice vacation experience. experience. Heck For yeah. For sure. 
It's an amazing just, movie. Yep, it's so, so good. I watched Possession for the first time, which was incredible. I understand why some people we talked about as well, or some people think it's too much and very gross, but I loved yeah. it. Yeah. One of the most effectively directed movies that I've seen. I have legitimately never felt sick to my stomach watching a movie than I did with Possession. Like, actually, I wanted to vomit. It was so great. I loved it. Then I watched Nosferatu in Venice. Because I remember you posting about it, but I'm not familiar with this movie at all. Yeah, it's just a film about what if Nosferatu came to Venice. It's not good. It went through (laughs) like four different directors because the... I think the main actor, which is, he's a German. He also played Nosferatu in Werner Herzog's Nosferatu. Is it Klaus, is, with Klaus, Kinski? Klaus Kinski? Yep. He was apparently very difficult and he fought with multiple directors. He also right. sexually assaulted an actress yeah. on screen. That sounds, you know, like, that sounds right. You can oh, watch in the movie? It. In the movie, you, you see the scene where he did it. And wow. yeah, I don't recommend this film. At all. I Klaus Kinski is an absolute menace to society. And yes. I, I mean he's a great actor, but he is a fucking menace. Yep. He he sexually assaulted his own fucking kids. That dude was a piece of shit. You fuck him. Fuck yeah, him. he's a piece of shit. And then one more that I want to mention. I watched an American werewolf in London as a special full moon screening in a theater. Which was, dude, such a great experience with a lot of... Was that in, was that in Switzerland? It was in Switzerland. We have this, this nice. theater that is like this old city theater. They even played Nosferatu and they had someone on the piano. But I oh, couldn't no make way. it. No way. Had to work No that way. Day. Oh, with like the live score on like the... Like, oh, that's There's awesome. a guy who's playing and even like when I went to watch this film... The piano was still there. Like it's this old piano, like from back in the day. I'm pretty is sure. Is it like an is it like an organ type? It's like a smaller one, like a normal okay. piano, not like a big one. Yeah. And someone's just like sitting there and playing. I couldn't make it, which I regret. But next year, hopefully, because I heard they do it every year. Like a year thing. Oh, you gotta go, bro. That's your movie. You gotta go. You gotta, man. That would be so great because they always do like. In October, they have all these these uh, spooky films and these yeah. classics, and it was great seeing it with a lot of like film fans because yeah. we didn't have anyone just like casually walk in. Like you could tell these people watch a lot of films, and great film, very funny, very creative, and watching it during a full moon in a theater with so many great people was definitely a great experience. Um, that was your I, first time watching it, right? First time, never seen it. It was great. You've seen it, right? Love it. I love that yeah. movie. It's the, so the, good. The, like that Nazi nightmare dream scene is so fucking. That's what I think of when I think of Germany. I think of <laughs> Germany and I just picture that scene. That's Frankfurt. <laughs> yeah, that's Frankfurt. Just a typical Wednesday in Frankfurt. Yeah. It's a casual, <laughs> casual day. But yeah. Those are my highlights of. Spooktober. Oh, dude, that is that is the best one. You you close it out with the best one. That's such a cool experience to mm-hmm. to have, especially to to see a lo- like that movie for the first time 
or to see any older movie for the first time in a theater is such a cool experience. So I, I'm really glad you got to experience that on a big screen. And I'm assuming it was probably a pretty packed house, no? It was, yeah, it was not completely packed, but more people Hold than you expected. And it was cool just going outside and just seeing like the big ass full moon. Just yeah. made it better. Heck yeah. yeah, man. That's Great. awesome. It sounds like you had a very productive spooktober um as we all should aspire to have um, but i'm excited to hear about your spooktober experience yeah so my spooktober um so i'm gonna kick it off with i said i didn't get around to scooby-doo and the witch's ghost but i did get around to trick-or-treat scooby-doo it was the only scooby-doo movie i got around to this october it came out like last year are, are, were you are you familiar with this or seen it I know it because of you, because you told me that it was actually pretty great. Okay. Well, I, I thought we had talked about it maybe like on like Instagram or something. Because of my edit. But I recommend I included a scene. That's of what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, this movie is, it really surprised me a lot with, it was very inventive. It was really modern in its like approach. It was completely like unique and new and creative and, I had such a good time, and I think it was one of the better Scooby-Doo animated movies that they've made in general. Um, I would put it in the top five. I thought it was very, very good. And a lot of these new ones, they tried too hard. Like, I didn't see it, but that Velma show they made with, like, Mindy Kaling, I think a lot of people were turned off on that from what I heard and read. I think people said they went, they were trying too hard to be like, oh, we're super progressive. And like, it was just too much of that where this just does it very seamlessly. Like it's mm -hmm. just naturally just a part of Scooby-Doo in a more modern age, whereas opposed to, again, I didn't see it, but from what I gathered, the Velma's like, no, 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 we're trying so hard. Look at, look at Velma's a minority and she's also this. And then, and then there, there, it's just like, okay, you like, we get it. You, we get it. But this was just very effortlessly just modern and new. And like, I don't know, it, it was, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I'll put it on my next, like on my list for next year for Spooktober because it looked great. The animation as well, very, yeah, very cool. And the animation was really cool. Um, I highly recommend. Um, I also, I watched every, well, I guess besides the first one, because I'd seen the first one, but I watched all the Final Destination sequels, um, yeah, which are a ton of fun. Um, Final Destination five low-key kind of being like a sleeper like hit um there was a ton of really funny shit in it and honestly i can't lie very entertaining um, what's your favorite i've seen in all the final destination films do you have one? Oh shit okay there is one in final there's one in Final Destination 5 where this dude, he's one of those like dweeby workers who was in the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, like he's one of the guys that Jordan Belfort hires and he he's like getting a massage uh, in Final Destination 5 and he's like super like rapey like with these girls. And he's like, oh yeah, oh, you're going to rub me down? How much for happy... He's just one of those fucking assholes. Deshaun Watson. So, was it? Yeah, exactly. A Deshaun Watson. 
so the like the masseuse's like mom like an older like asian woman comes in and she starts doing the acupuncture and there's a death scene involving him and the acupuncture needles maybe him falling off a table i don't want to get into it or spoil or anything but that's a good one and then in final destination and i because i have like the worst short-term memory it's either Mm -hmm. final destination two or three there is a (laughs) there is a tanning bed death uh involving these two girls who are getting tans in the tanning bed and there's a great cut shot or like a match cut where there's like an overhead shot of these two tanning beds and then immediately it cuts to two caskets in the same position like at the funeral and it is so funny i know that one i think it's it's either one two or three it's it's one of those i think it's final destination two Mm -hmm. um but that I, I do like those ones a lot. And honestly, I actually said Final Destination 5 was a sleeper. I actually really liked Final Destination 3 a lot, like out of those. Because it has Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead um, mm-hmm. from Scott Pilgrim, from Death Proof, from, I guess, Birds of Prey or the one of the that movie. I guess yeah. you, you, you know who she is. She is the best actor that has been in any of those movies. Like, clearly. She's, like, she's like carrying the whole thing. So she makes that third one really good. And there is a scene involving, like, a drive-through and, like, a runaway truck in but Final Destiny. Have, have you seen all the sequels? Yeah. I haven't seen all of them, but a couple, but they all blend together. I can't keep yeah. them apart. But I yeah. know exactly that scene because that's probably my favorite. But, like... The trees, the tree trunks. Yes, yes. Yep. Great scene. Um, I think that, that that one had a ton of awesome deaths, and, and I liked like, the whole theme park theme of that, too. Yeah, roller coaster. Um, yeah, but I checked, I checked out all of those. I, I rewatched that movie, You're Next, which I hadn't seen um, in a long time. Do you, do you remember this movie from, like, 2011? You're Next? I don't think so. It's... It's honestly kind of like a weird slasher version of Festin uh, a little bit, um, a.k.a. the celebration for anybody who uh, who was listening. But it's like this family like gets together for like a wedding anniversary or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a group of like three killers all wearing like these masks, like one's wearing a mask of like a bunny one has like a, a, a like a bear mask or something, and they start terrorizing this family. Um, and it's most notable. There's a very funny, not even a cameo, but like a supporting character that the director Ty West plays. He doesn't direct this movie, but uh, obviously for fans of uh, of uh, X and Pearl and Maxine coming out, he plays this very funny, uh, like pretentious, like documentary filmmaker uh, who has a great. Uh, death scene in it but this movie i'm surprised you you, you're unfamiliar with it it was very popular when it came out Mm -hmm. um and like if you're interested like i think if you were into like the strangers it's kind of like that sort of vibe even like ready or not kind of that kind of vibe um because your next is actually also very funny there's a lot of very funny stuff in it Um, i checked it out i've never but i did Never seen the poster, never heard of it. Really? Maybe I have. I think, I, 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 I don't know. And maybe it was just a really popular thing here in the States. And maybe it didn't transfer very well overseas. Because it was like a lower budgeted thing. But, um, but maybe I just assumed. But, uh, 
a re really good movie and uh and it's been a while since i've seen it um but what i really want to get into what i really want to talk about is there is and i'll give a little backstory and then i'll end my spooktober here during you seen death proof like the grindhouse thing that tarantino did not yet okay so if you watch like the proper grindhouse thing is the double feature with him and the Robert Rodriguez movie, uh, like the Planet Terror, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. In between, there are a handful of different fake trailers that other directors, are you familiar with this? I think so. There's a bunch of fake trailers. Edgar Wright did a trailer called Don't, that's very funny. And it's like a spoof of like the Hammer horror films of like the 50s. Um, uh, Rob Zombie does one called uh, like Nazi SS Nazi women from space, like all very exploitation-y things. Mm -hmm. And then there was one called Thanksgiving that I always really thought was so cool and so funny. And my cousin and I always had this fixation with Thanksgiving, this little trailer. And Eli Roth directed it, who played Bear Jew in, and I think you already know where I'm going with this, who yep. played Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. And we always, my cousin and I, Megan, we always loved this trailer for Thanksgiving. We're like, why the fuck haven't they made this into a feature ever? Um, Machete is another one that was a trailer, and they made that into a feature. Hobo with a Shotgun, trailer from that, they made it into a feature. And we kept thinking, like, how have they never made Thanksgiving to a feature? Fast forward, like, at this point now, 16 years. I, we didn't watch it 16 years ago. But fast forward now, 16 years, and Thanksgiving is coming out in just an, about a week or two weeks. Uh, direct, have you seen Have you seen the trailers for this at all? Nope. Oh, nope. okay, okay, okay. So you don't know where I was going with it. But Eli nope. Roth is making Thanksgiving and it is finally coming out in like two weeks. In the States oh, at least. Yeah, I've, I've seen posters for it in my cinema. Yes. And... It is finally the creation of that super, and I'm gonna send you the trailer for Thanksgiving to check out though. Cause you're gonna watch it and you're gonna totally get why it's like so up my alley. Like just exactly what I want from something like setting. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, unfortunately, I think the only unfortunate thing is that in the Grindhouse thing, it's all like very like, gr like grimy 16 millimeter film, super like, gritty and i think thanksgiving like it's very polished clearly shot very digitally polished modern so that's the mm -hmm. only thing where i'm like i wish you could have just kept like the whole like grimy lo-fi like a 70s 80s slasher kind of vibe mm -hmm. um but either way i'll take what i can get but the reason for me saying that is i was sitting there and i thought okay i'm talking to my cousin megan i'm like yo i'm gonna be in atlanta for thanksgiving we are going to go see this the day before thanksgiving together let's make a plan of it let's do it and i'm sitting there i'm like I have never seen an Eli Roth movie ever. None of the movies he's directed I have ever seen. So I buckled down and I watched all of them except for two. Two of them I've not gotten around to yet. But I sat down and the movie Cabin Fever mm -hmm. is one of the wildest movies that I have seen in a while. And I think everyone has constantly shit on this movie. Everyone has constantly shit on Eli Roth's career. And I, I understand where they are coming from. I don't know that he has ever made something that is objectively good. 
Like, I, like objectively, like, whoa, this is like a masterwork. I don't think he's done that. Mm-hmm. But he has constantly made very fun, entertaining films straight up. Um, I watched Cabin Fever. I watched The First Hostel. I watched The Green Inferno. I watched Knock Knock. I watched his remake of Death Wish. Um, and all I have left is Hostel 2, but I don't really care to go back to that world because it was so gross. But Cabin Fever in particular, I want to talk about. It feels like watching. Imagine if David Lynch, like if he made Twin Peaks, but instead he was like a frat dude who was in college, who smoked a lot of weed and made a slasher movie instead of Twin Peaks. Like that's what that Damn. movie is. It is Damn. so weirdly surreal. And it's very on its face, very Lynchian. He got Angelo Badalamenti, David Lynch's uh, composer, to do like three songs for it as well. Like he's not the the actual like composer, but grabbed three songs that he did to insert. And it feels like Twin Peaks. And there is mm-hmm. shit that is unexplainable what's happening. Um, but I had such a good time with this movie that I can't just like talk about it enough with people where I'm like, go watch Cabin Fever. Like, please go watch Cabin Fever. It is so good. It's so fun. Um, And I've had a really, really good time watching um, all of Eli Roth's movies um, so far. I I, I can't lie. And I'm very much looking forward to to Thanksgiving coming out in just a couple weeks. I've only seen Knock Knock, which I disliked a lot. I dislike it tremendously. Yeah. Yeah, but Cabin Fever, the way you just explained it, sounds wild. And my Spooktober 2024 list is already growing because that's going to be one. Yeah, because I think, I think the thing with it is that a lot of people look at it so black and white, like, oh, this writing and like the acting, it's like so juvenile and like all the writing, like literally everything they say and don't cancel me, I'm just quoting. They're like, oh, don't be so gay. Oh, shut up, you retard. So it's like, mm. people are like, oh, this is such bad writing. But it's like, obviously it's bad writing, but obviously I think that's the point. These characters are imbeciles. These are the people who would go around and be like, oh, shut up, you gay retard. Like, those are who these characters are. So like, to me, I'm like, like set that aside. Like, clearly he's trying to make a very campy, I'm telling you, it feels like a weird dream when you watch it. Like, I'm like, it doesn't, I don't know. You're either in it or you're not. But Cabin Fever is very cool. And I think it's the best thing he's done. Knock Knock is a steaming hot pile of fucking shit. Um, It's a remake of a movie called Death Game from the 70s, which also is a steaming hot pile of dog shit. I hate it. So I own it on Blu-ray. I bought it. I spent like $30 on it because it was so hyped up. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a rare limited time thing. They brought it up. And same thing how Knock Knock, you know how it's just so obnoxious? It's so annoying and there's no rhyme or reason. It's just them being annoying for the sake. It's the same thing as Death Game. It's awful. Both movies fucking suck. Um, And then one other movie that I'll talk about, I know I've talked for a minute, but one I'll talk about very briefly that I saw at the end of Spooktober, I think I watched it on Halloween, was the Chucky remake, uh, the Child's Play remake from like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Did you see it at all? I haven't. I haven't. I I honestly, it came out in 2019. I highly recommend it. I had a great time watching it. I really liked it a lot. Okay. 
I actually want to do a Chucky marathon next year because I've never seen a full oh really film. Okay, ever. I've only seen. I think I've actually have only seen the first Child's Play, mm-hmm. and then I've seen I've seen the Bride of Chucky as well, um, okay. and then plus this this Child's Play. Um, it's really cool if you saw the movie Megan that came out like last year or whenever. Megan is essentially ripping off this. It is a straight up ripoff. And this, I personally thought, was way better than Megan. Um, okay. I thought Megan was entertaining. I thought the child actor, I thought that girl was terrible. Like, I thought she was so annoying. But the, the child actor in Child's Play is really good. Like, he's an actual great actor. And he mm-hmm. sells it. And he's not just like an annoying little, okay, shut up, you little, like, you know, shit or whatever, you know. But um, Child's Play, I highly recommend it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really funny. And I thought it was the best way that they could have reintroduced this for a new generation of kids. I'll definitely check it out next year. How many? Yeah, I had a great time. Uh, there are a bunch of them, right? I want to say, hold on, I have it up. I have, uh, so there's Child's Play. There's Child's Play 2. There is uh, The Bride of Chucky, The Seed of Chucky. The Cult of Chucky and the Curse of Chucky. Oh, and Child's Play three. So one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven in the original. Series. And this is the eighth one, the remake. Yeah, although I would say this is more just like a reboot, like kind of unattached sort of thing from like mm-hmm. that original sequence. But I think it really goes like, I think it's like Child's Play, Child's Play two, Child's Play three. Watch that as one thing. And then it's like, I think they did a reboot like later in the 90s, 2000s for Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky. And then now Child's Play was another separate third edition reboot. Okay. I might skip the spinoffs, honestly. Maybe Bride of Chucky because that actually sounds kind of You gotta see it. You gotta see Bride of Chucky. You have to. (laughs) And Seed of Chucky. I actually think I've seen Seed of Chucky too where they have a baby. Him and the Chucky's wife, I forget what her name is. They have a baby. Don't tell me. Uh, I'm gonna watch all of yeah. them. Go, <laughs> so you gotta watch them. They're fucking it's awesome. Baby Chucky just running around with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need that. Um, but that was pretty much my spooktober, man. I we we this was a long one. The folks, the folks deserved a long one from us. Yeah. Uh, and we talked all things. I mean, we talked the killer more than we even talked about this week's movie. Uh, we talked spooktober. I think we even talked NFL football more than we talked about song to song. I feel bad for that one person, like you mentioned, that is like, I just watched Song to Song. I need to know more about it. I want to hear, like, listen to people talk about it. Oh, look, a whole podcast that is almost two hours long that I want to listen to. And it's just like two minutes, and then we're just like, oh, it's boring. Let's just talk about this instead. I'm sorry. If you, like, listen through all of this, we're sorry. But I hope it was at least entertaining. Maybe we gained a new fan. But, yeah, sorry. And yeah, my apologies, our apologies. But next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, yeah. we, we got two movies from 2016, but I believe that we decided before the pod we are going to be doing La La Land next. And then followed by that, we will do The Nice Guys. May or may not have a special guest on that episode. Wait, we'll have to wait another couple weeks for that one. But next up, we'll do La La Land and... Uh, yeah, Dino, any last thoughts or anything before we uh, close out for the, the day? I don't think we got to do a scale of 1 to 10, literally me, for this one this week. I think we're good on that. 
We can do one for the killer because he listens to the Smiths, so he's literally me. Okay, let's do that. I he, that no. Okay, we didn't even talk about that. That dude is going to be a new literally me character. One hundred percent, for sure. Yep, he just like I loved entered the literally me pantheon. The mental. I saw our one homie. Uh, I don't know his real name, but Maverick of Cinema. That dude was already mm-hmm. posting some some prime funny meme image. You, He's, that dude is funny. What, what's his What's his real name? I don't even know what his real Sid, name is. Sidart. What? Is, oh, Sid. Yeah, Sidart. I think it's okay, pronounced. Sid okay. It's, it's okay. Short Sid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that man is a funny ass motherfucker. Um, yeah. and he was going crazy. I saw this morning one of the killer uh, memes that he posted. So he <laughs> cooked it up in like less than a day. Impressive. <laughs> I know. I know. He's killing it. No pun intended. Yep um but yeah man the killer loved that soundtrack loved all the smiths yep. uh shit in there very literally me he might be an eight out of ten literally me yeah someone needs to do a mashup of him and the guy from 500 days of summer yeah just listening to the smiths yep listen <laughs> yeah. in the elevator just him like with a gun yeah <laughs> <laughs> just put a bucket hat on joseph gordon levitt just edit a bucket yeah. hat on him Someone, um, that's, that's I don't know how that's not a meme already, honestly. It, it will be. Give it give it another twelve to twenty four hours. We'll have it. Yeah. I, I assure you. That's um, an easy Photoshop meme, for sure. But yeah. as always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Uh, we will come at you next week with La La Land. Uh, back to our regular scheduled program of talking uh, Gosling films, and uh, yeah, Dino. Unless you have any final words, I'll. Uh, I'll uh, I'll let you go and say goodbye to the folks here. We'll do this more regularly now. Expect yes. more regular yes. episodes. And speaking of song to song, we need more young Gosling music. I wanted to mention that. So, oh, one album okay. is enough, enough. If you don't know, this guy makes some banger music. So we need more. I will. I guess. Thank you for the plug. I uh, mm-hmm. I haven't made anything in a long time. But speaking of Gosling, if you type in Young Gosling into a Spotify or any of that. There are three uh, little instrumental uh, EPs you can go bump. Uh, yeah. So I'm thanks. Maybe I'll go them. make some more. I'm pushing them to like literally just text you to death to do more music. So if you're listening to this, head over to his Instagram and just spam him to do more music. <laughs> we need it. Please. I need more things to add on to my plate. Um, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, folks. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.